Hey, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you all here, and uh, blessings to you. Maybe watching us via live stream. It's good to come together to worship the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and reflect on His uh, His death on the cross on behalf of sinners. Uh, before we jump into a time of worship through songs, I want to give you a quick announcement, which um, most of you are are already familiar with, I think, and that is that we do have a uh, congregational meeting after the service, um, and uh, and this will uh, will take a a. a bit of a break, maybe like a 10-minute break, uh, the conclusion of our service, uh, time to say hi to one another, and anybody who, for whatever reason, can't stick around, they can feel free to, uh, to, to leave at that point, uh, but then we will uh, have our meeting, and uh, for anybody who is joining us live stream, uh, or if you're joining us online, and you're joining us via Zoom, uh, and I'll make this announcement again later on, just as a reminder, but... Uh, it is important that when you are signed in, that, uh, that you also uh, send a message. So at the bottom of the screen, there should be a chat box, and you click on that and send a message. And it's important that you identify who you are, uh, because when you are, uh, as some of you know, when you are signed into Zoom, it just might say like your username, like Hello Kitty or something. It doesn't tell us anything about who you are. Uh, so it's important that you identify yourself uh, through that message. Uh, so we do have that meeting after the service. Uh, we will... Uh, try to be uh, conci- as concise uh, as possible, just to not keep you here uh, too long with masks on. Uh, but uh, we are hoping that it will just be a, a good service and, and informative uh, for everybody. So with all that being said, let's uh, worship the Lord through some songs. Please stand for our call to worship. Our call to worship this morning comes from Exodus fifteen one through 2. Then Moses, and this is after um, the Israelites have made it to the other side of the Red Sea. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. Let's join together now as we come to worship this glorious God. Light of the world. Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. Made this heart adore you, hope of a life spent with you. So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, you're all together lovely. Together worthy, all together wonderful to me.
As we gather this morning, we will be hearing from John's um, from John's writing about the crucifixion. And as we look at the crucifixion this morning, we are reminded of what that accomplishes. And if we look back in Genesis three, this is the fulfillment of this promise that I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Christ has crushed Satan by his death on the cross. It was by his death and only by his death that he could save us. And so because of that, we can stand here and praise his name as his children. Sing out this chorus together. And oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise his name forevermore. For endless days we will sing your praise, oh Lord. my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me I see his wounds his hands his feet my savior on that cursed tree his body and drenched in tears they laid him down in Joseph's tomb 
heavy stone, Messiah still, and all alone. Oh, praise the name.
be seated, reflecting upon the glorious sacrifice that Christ has made for us. He is our God. He is your God. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to spend endless upon endless days just glorifying you for what Christ has done for us on the cross. We thank you, Lord, that we can raise our voices to you this morning to reflect and to worship you for that glorious truth. And that this is just a small reflection of what we will spend eternity doing together. Thank you for the death of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord. Because as tragic as this was, it purchased our redemption. It purchased our salvation. We have forgiveness of sins. We are counted as righteous instead of sinners. Considered innocent instead of guilty. Because Christ died for us. Father, we pray and because of the death of Christ for us, that we may live our lives no longer in patterns of sin, but in patterns of holiness. That we may give our lives over to you, to abide in Jesus Christ, to walk in his ways. Help us, O oh Lord, to continue to, to walk by the Spirit and not gratify the desires of the flesh. Because of what Christ has done for us, we receive his spirit. We receive freedom from enslavement to sin so that we may be instead slaves of righteousness. Father, we pray for those who are, for those who are sick, for those who are suffering, for those who are going through just a terrible time in their lives at this moment. Father, and it's these, in these times, these difficult times, Lord, that it is hard to walk according to your ways and to abide in Christ. But I pray for your people. I pray that they may be, that may be encouraged, that they may continue to, to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. We pray that you may protect them from the lures of the world, from the schemes of the devil. We pray that you would strengthen them and fill them with your grace. We pray for emotional, we pray for physical healing. Father, we pray that the gospel of your salvation, that the gospel of the death of Christ would continue to be proclaimed throughout the world. We pray that those who are in unreached places, Lord, that those who have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, that they would hear the gospel of Christ. We pray specifically for the people of Menahar in India, Lord. We pray for these, for these people, Lord, that you have created in your image, who have yet to have any gospel witness in their context, who are living in a state that is the least reached in India. Father, we pray that the gospel would make it to them, we pray that you would send workers into that mission field to proclaim the glorious truths 
of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that many would come to a saving knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Father, we pray for New Life Baptist Church. We pray that they would glory in the death of Christ. We pray that the saints would continue to reflect on what Christ has done for them. And we pray that they would have the boldness to preach the gospel in their context, in their community, Lord. That they would never be ashamed of the gospel. Father, we pray for our country. We pray for specifically for, for Louisville, Kentucky. Father, we pray for peace, for the restoration of peace and stability. Lord, we pray that things would not get any worse than they already have. Father, we pray for protection, Lord, that you would protect those who are protesting. We also pray that you would protect, Lord, those who are seeking to establish the peace for, for police authorities. Father, we pray that you would restrain the hand of evil, Lord. That this would not turn into just full-blown chaos and anarchy. Protect all those who are in the area, of the downtown area, Lord, who are in fear. Lord, we pray for just peace and stability for your divine hand to protect those who are most vulnerable. We pray for, for churches in those areas, that you would protect the saints, Lord, and we pray for their boldness as well to proclaim the gospel, Lord, even in these hard and difficult and fearful days. And that they would also be, that they would also be a means of encouragement and support for those who are, who are distressed, Father, lastly, we pray for those who work in the medical field, from doctors, from nurses, from medical staff. Lord, we pray that you would sustain them and help them and protect them as they continue to care for people with the, with the coronavirus. We pray that you may help them and sustain them. We pray that you may give them wisdom to be able to care for those who need the care that is provided through hospital staff. We pray also for those uh, who are, belong to you, who work in this field. We pray that, they, that their care for others, will, Lord, will be a reflection of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That even when those who are in their care may treat them harshly, that they would respond in kindness as a reflection of the gospel that's permeated their hearts and their mind. Father, we come before you this morning and we glory in the death of Christ who at the cross purchased our redemption, including the gift of prayer. And it is through the death of Christ that we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts so we also have forgiven our debtors. 
And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So if you would, please turn with me to John chapter 19. You know, in chapter 19, we're picking up in verse 17. Technically, verse 16. Or the end of 16. Because verse 17 begins in the middle of a sentence. So John chapter 19. The end of verse 16 down to the end of the chapter. So they took Jesus... And he went out, bearing his own cross, to the place called the Place of a Skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write to the king of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture which says it divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill Scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of preparation, and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, that you also may believe. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was the disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus 
and bound it in linen cloths and with spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. This is the word of the Lord. Lord, we pray that you may open our hearts and our minds to receive your word. May we receive this word specifically on the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, not as something that we have become bored of hearing, but that we may receive it as something that we rejoice in. And that we can confidently say with our hearts that Christ died for sinners. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Which is easier to say? That Christ died for us or that Christ died for me? I think you might agree that the first right, is easier to say. And it's not to say that the first is impersonal in comparison to the second to say that Christ died for me, but it's certainly not as personal. Right? We might say that Christ died for us as a generalization, that Christ died for us and include ourselves in the us. But when we say that, when you say that Christ died for me, right, it becomes much more personal and perhaps even much more intimate to say it that way. And I confess to you that there are times, there are many times, where I have a hard time saying to myself that Christ died for me. Maybe you can resonate with that. And it's not a, it's not a, a, a doubting of salvation, but right? if you ever struggle with saying to yourself that Christ died for you, I think a Christian can be played with little doubts that might keep you from admitting or confessing to yourself that Christ died for me. The author of this particular gospel, John, also wrote three other letters in the New Testament, first and second and third John. And in first John, he writes to believers to assure them, to encourage them that they are in fact in the faith. Right? And it's and it's actually very simple. <laughs> That's my daughter. <laughs> Um, but it's, and for first John, right, Jesus, or John tells us, do you love Jesus? And love Jesus is not like, I love my car, or I love this hobby, or I love this particular music, but no, do you love Jesus? As in, is your allegiance to Jesus Christ? Is your allegiance to Jesus Christ more than any other thing or any other person, even above family? Not that you hate your family, but is your allegiance primarily towards Jesus Christ more than anything or anyone else? Right? Do, you, do you love Jesus? Do you hate sin? As right? Christian can struggle with sin and sin. We do sin at times. Right? But do you hate the sin with, that you commit? Is your life characterized by repentance and holiness? Are you confessing sin and turning to Jesus Christ? And do you love the family of Christ? Do you love 
your brothers and sisters in Christ? Do you desire to fellowship with them? Do you fellowship with them? Right? And if, you're, if your answer is in the affirmative in all those questions, then you can rest assured that you are, in fact, a daughter or son of God. Remember, there are times when we might be overwhelmed by a sense of our unworthiness. Or maybe we've been angry with our spouse or angry towards our children. Or have a feeling like we have been less than holy or maybe haven't been in the scriptures enough or haven't been praying enough and all those things might keep us from saying to ourselves, confessing to ourselves that Christ died for me. So if you're here this morning and you're, maybe, and if you're having doubts about whether or not you are in the faith, and the Lord wants to speak to you this morning through this passage, through a reflection on the death of Jesus Christ, listening to the death of Jesus Christ on behalf of sinners. And maybe today, this morning, you can be confident of your faith in Jesus Christ, or maybe you can affirm your faith in Jesus Christ and be able to say this morning that Christ died for me. If you're struggling with those little doubts that keep you from saying even this morning that Christ died for me, that Jesus knew you, that Jesus knew you when he died on the cross and that he died for you. If you are having a hard time saying that to yourself this morning, the Lord wants to encourage you this morning and he wants you to leave this morning being able to encourage your own self and say that Christ did die for me. And if you don't know the Lord, the Lord also is speaking to you this morning and wants you to hear the gospel. This particular chapter with the hopes that you will also believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ and hey, and, may, and even be able to say this morning that Christ died for me. So as we reflect on the cross of Jesus Christ and what he endured on the cross, first, we see the, the shame of the cross that Jesus endured. So criminals who were condemned to crucifixion were, were forced to carry their own cross, their own instrument of execution to the place where they would be crucified. And this is no different for Jesus. Jesus, who had at this point received a second flogging, a much more severe flogging in comparison to the first one he received. So having been bruised and battered and having been weakened and probably most likely also having experienced a loss, a tremendous loss of blood, there's no wonder that he could not carry the cross on his own to the hill where he would be crucified. And we read the other gospel accounts. We read that a man by the name of Simon of Cyrene was commanded by the soldiers to help Jesus carry that cross to the hill. And it actually tells us that Simon wasn't even, was traveling from somewhere. And either he was visiting the area or was just passing through. Talk about being at the wrong place at the wrong time. Or he might be led to think. So Jesus bears the cross. And the vileness, and just the, the, the gruesomeness right, of this event, or this execution, right, is intended by the Romans to send a warning to all people that this is what happens when you oppose Rome, when you come against Caesar. Oh, this is what happens to those who commit such heinous crimes. And it was intended to be a spectacle to behold, something to the utter shame and the humiliation of the person being crucified. 
Now, an inscription would be placed at the head of each criminal that would tell you what the charge was, insurrection or murder. In Jesus' case, it said the king of the Jews, which he, in fact, was. Which really isn't a charge at all. Now, the Jews, on the other hand, would rather have it say, no, this man said that he was the king of the Jews. But Pilate, and I think to kind of stick it to the Jews, says, no, what I've written, I have written. And Pilate right, doesn't see this or Jesus as being any threat to Caesar. So he puts that inscription above his head anyway. The gospel of our salvation right, has its basis on a king who was crucified. Crucified, like the most heinous criminal. This is why the apostle Paul says that the cross is foolishness to the world, because to the world it does not make sense that our faith would rest upon a man who was crucified to a cross. But to us, it is the wisdom of God. Because the crucifixion is our salvation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, it says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the, of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. I mean, that is the folly of the cross of Jesus Christ that becomes to us our wisdom, because in it we have our salvation. This is what the cross represents. The wisdom of God, divine and infinite wisdom of God that results in our salvation. Now, as Jesus is crucified to a cross, along with the other criminals as well, they would be disrobed. So as they are crucified on the cross, they are utterly exposed. They are naked before the people who are watching them. Again, intended to be deeply humiliating. And then, off to the side, as we read in the passage, there are soldiers who are gambling for the tunic of Jesus. Right? Very callous, uncaring about what is happening before them. And yet, the seemingly insignificant event, John tells us, is actually very significant in the grand scheme of salvation because this is actually fulfilling Scripture. And that specific Scripture that is fulfilling is Psalm twenty-two, eighteen. 18. In Psalm 22, the psalmist 
describes his utter humiliation. He's surrounded by his enemies. They laugh at him. They mock him. They jeer at him. And he's filled with utter shame. And if you read the entirety of the psalm, and I would encourage you to do that at some point, if you read the psalm, you cannot help but think about Jesus Christ. Now, the psalmist had no idea that he was writing about Christ, but John is telling us that this passage in Psalm was intended to point towards Christ. Because as the psalmist is writing by the divinely inspired Holy Spirit, the Spirit knows what he's writing. The author has no idea. And John is telling us that this is intended to point us to Jesus Christ. The same shame that the psalmist felt when he wrote those words, it's the same shame that Jesus is feeling at the cross. And this is Jesus Christ, the one who was, who was at one time honored by Mary, who took a, an expensive perfume and poured it on Jesus to anoint him, showing just the honor and the dignity that there is in Jesus, the royalty of Jesus. This is the same Jesus who entered Jerusalem, mounted on a donkey, which symbolized the royalty of a king, entered Jerusalem with people lining up the streets, bowing down to him and worshiping him as king. This is the same Jesus Christ who would humble himself, take off some of his garments, and get on his knees to wash the feet of his disciples. This same Jesus is also the one who is bruised and battered beyond recognition, hung on a cross, completely exposed to the world, filled with, hum- with humiliation and shame. The intention on the part of the Romans that this person, what this person has done is terrible and he deserves to be crucified and exposed and humiliated in this way. But Jesus was made naked and disrobed so that you might be clothed with his righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21, the Apostle Paul tells us that for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that we in him might become the righteousness of God. Christ took upon himself our sins, and along with our sins, the shame and the humiliation of our sins and the consequences of our sins, which the result is death. He took it all upon himself so that through faith in him, we might instead be saved and reconciled with God so that we then might be clothed with his righteousness. In the parable of the, of the prodigal son, right, who shamed his father, left the home, and ended up living with swine, and come back to his father in repentance, in humility, with the muddied clothes that he's wearing. And the father embraces him, welcomes him home, and he says, put on him the best robe. When you and I have muddied ourselves with our sins, then when we turned to the Lord Jesus Christ, when we heard the gospel of our salvation, whenever it was that you heard it, right, you turned to Jesus Christ in repentance. And in that moment, Jesus says, put on him or put on her the best robe. And that best robe is his righteousness.
Jesus endured the shame of the cross so that we wouldn't have to bear that shame. But along with bearing the shame of the cross, Jesus also bore the sting of death. So, according to John's account of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, Jesus doesn't say a whole lot. Right? He says he, he commits the, the, his, his mother's care to the beloved disciple who is John. And he also says that he thirsts. And even this is not something insignificant. Because John tells us that this was also said to fulfill Scripture, specifically Psalm 69, 21. When David, the psalmist, says that in this particular psalm, that he is given sour wine to quench his thirst, he means this allegorically. What he means by that is that instead of being given the things that might alleviate or even remove the suffering that he's enduring or maybe given something that might assist him in managing the suffering or making the suffering much more endurable, instead he's given something that only improves or enhances his distress. In Mark's account of the crucifixion of Christ, Jesus is given wine that he refuses to take. And this particular wine was different than the sour wine. The wine that he would have been given the first time around was a wine that would have done a much better job of quenching his thirst and also would have alleviated some of his suffering by doling some of the pain. That wine Jesus refuses. And the second time he's offered wine, it's a sour wine. Sour wine was given to those who were crucified in order to prolong their life and therefore prolong their suffering. Jesus takes that wine instead of the first one. Now, why? What does that mean? Why would Jesus take the second one and not the first one? And the reason is because Jesus wanted to be fully aware of what he was doing. That is taking the brunt of the justice and wrath of God. He wanted to be fully conscious, fully aware of what he was doing. He didn't, wasn't looking for pain management. He wasn't looking to be distracted from what he was called to do. But he wanted to be fully aware of what was going on and what was he called to do. Because this was what he gave up his life for. To provide salvation for you and for me. The cross shows us the judgment and the mercy of God. Judgment, because at the cross we see what our sins deserved. The cross also shows us the mercy of God, because in it we see that Christ took the penalty of our sins. So that we wouldn't have to bear that penalty ourselves. So that through faith in him, we can live and be forgiven of our sins, and declared righteous. Then after taking the sour wine, Jesus then says, it is finished. He gives up his spirit, and he dies. So it was the day of preparation, which makes it a Friday when Jesus died. The next day, of course, would be a Saturday, which was the Sabbath. And on the Sabbath, well, no Jew could work. Now, the Sabbath actually technically started on Friday, late Friday evening. 
And because the Sabbath was a day that no Jew could work, and so they needed the criminals who were crucified to die immediately. And so the soldiers, the Roman soldiers, would take these iron, iron mallets and take them to the knees of those who were crucified, so that as they're crucified, they're no longer bare pushing themselves up to breathe. So essentially, they would die of suffocation. Now, when they come to Jesus, they find that Jesus is already dead. Instead, they pierce his side, and blood and water pour out. There's a wonderful hymn by Fanny Crosby. And the first line goes like this. Jesus, keep me near the cross. There a precious fountain, free to all, a healing stream flows from Calvary's mountain. It is the cross of Jesus Christ. It is the death of Jesus Christ that purifies us, that cleanses us from our sins so that we might be made holy, so that we might be made clean and purified and made white as snow. It is the blood of Christ poured out for sinners that cleanses them. Then that blood that receive the forgiveness of the sins. And that blood is an ever-flowing stream so that whoever believes on the Lord Jesus Christ is cleansed of their sins, forgiven of their sins, and made clean. So finally, after enduring the sting of death on the cross and bearing the shame of the cross, Jesus is taken down and placed in what I would call a a hope-filled tomb. So two more passages of Scripture are fulfilled in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. The first, it says that not one of his bones were broken. And now this could be in reference to Psalm 34, which speaks of the Lord's providential care for the righteous is that the Lord cares for those who are his. Now, how, how do we see the Lord's providential care in the death of Jesus Christ? And we see it and when we read later on in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And there we see the providential care of the Lord over his anointed, over his righteous one. Not only that, we also see the providential care of the righteous, that is, those who are righteous by faith in Jesus Christ. We see the providential care of the Lord through the death of Jesus Christ. We see his providential care for you and for me through that crucifixion. That those who believe in Jesus, right, they are cared for by God himself. It doesn't mean that you are given everything and that you want and everything that you need in this life, but it means that you're given everything that you need for life and godliness. It means that you're given everything for eternal life, that you're given eternal life itself. That those who are righteous by faith in Jesus Christ are safe and secure in the hands of God, and that God will keep them to the very end, and they will see eternal life with Christ. So in this way, we see the providential care of the Lord. Now, it could be a reference to that. Actually, it comes pretty quite convincing to me as I'm trying to explain it. But most likely, this is a reference to Exodus 12.46 and Numbers 9.12. So the passages in Exodus and Numbers talk about the Passover lamb. 
the lamb that would be sacrificed once a year, the sacrificial lamb that was supposed to be without blemish, without spots. This, sac- this lamb was sacrificed on the altar to atone for the sins of the people and to per- temporarily alleviate or appease the wrath of God for sin. And it tells us concerning the Passover lamb that not one of the bones of the lamb are to be broken. Now, do you remember what John the Baptist said about Jesus Christ when he pointed his disciples to the Lord Jesus? He said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And Jesus is a spotless and righteous and perfect Lamb of God. Right, and that sacrifice, and that Passover sacrifice, what they're, they're understood to be a, a, an exchange happening, that the, that the sins of the people would transfer to this innocent animal. In the same way, at the cross of Jesus Christ, there's an exchange that happens where the sins of God's people are transferred to Jesus Christ as he's hung on the cross. And then the righteousness of Christ then is, becomes ours. Jesus is a perfect sacrifice that perfectly satisfied the wrath of God. And he perfectly paid for your sins and mine once and for all. And then one other passage of scripture that is fulfilled. They will look on him whom they have pierced. And this is a reference to Zechariah 12.10. And Zechariah 12.10 It says, I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy, so that when they look on me, on him whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and weep bitterly over him as one weeps over a firstborn. Now, specifically in verse 10, I want you to notice the change of the pronouns. This is God speaking. He says, when they look on me, And he says, on him whom they have pierced. And John is telling us that this is a messianic passage, that this is pointing to Jesus Christ. In a sense that God is identifying himself with Christ. And they will look on me on whom they have pierced, on him whom they have pierced. Pointing to Jesus Christ. Pointing to a crucifixion. His nails and his feet pierced on the cross. That they look on him, they will weep and mourn and lament in repentance. Right at the cross of Jesus Christ, at the moment of his crucifixion, yes, there were people who were mocking and jeering at him. Hence that reference to Psalm and the shame of the psalmist and how it points to the shame of Jesus Christ. But there were also people there who were lamenting and mourning over the death of Jesus Christ. Like, for example, John, the beloved disciple seeing his master and his teacher, his Lord crucified on the cross, Mary, the mother of Christ, mourning over the death of her son. One of the Gospels tells us that there was a Roman soldier that even said, truly, this was the Son of God. Later on, when Peter preaches the Gospel to the Jews, preaches on the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, 
The crowd say, what then shall we do? And he tells them, believe in the Lord Jesus and be baptized. And even to this day, right, people, as the gospel continues to be proclaimed, people will continue to look to the cross and weep and mourn and lament over their sins and turn to Jesus Christ. In John three fourteen, where Jesus says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus was lifted up so that all who look on him may be saved and spared, may be forgiven of their sins and given eternal life. Christ died for sinners. Christ died for you. And Christ wants you to be able to confidently and boldly say to yourself that Christ died for me. Reminded the Apostle Paul, who says that he who says that he is the chief of sinners. And he doesn't say this and as a way of comparison of comparing himself to the other apostles. Right? In comparison, right, he committed many more sins, much more heinous sins than the apostles. I mean, he persecuted Christians. But he wasn't saying that as a way to compare himself to other Christians or to the other apostles. He wasn't highlighting his sins. I've heard a lot of testimonies during my Christian walk where there's just a a highlighting of sin. But the highlight of a testimony is not the sins. The highlight of every testimony is the gospel and hearing a person turn to Jesus Christ. Paul is not trying to highlight his sins. He says that he's a chief of sinners because he has come to understand the gravity of what Christ has done for him. And when you understand what Christ has done for you on the cross, well, you're filled with awe and humility, and you then call yourself the chief of sinners. You're not trying to compare yourself to other people. You're not trying to gloat over your sin. You're not trying to say that my sins are worse than this person or this person's sins are worse than mine. What you're saying that that you're trying to, what you're actually saying is that Christ died for me. I am a sinner. I am the chief of sinners and Christ died for me. I am the chief of sinners and Christ died for me. I am the worst of sinners and Christ died for me. Christ wants to remind you that Christ, he died for you. If you believe in the Lord Jesus with all your heart and love him with all your heart, soul, and mind, he wants to remind you that he died for you. He wants you to be able to say to yourself that that he died for you. Not only that, but we can also say to each other, look at each other in the face, with our eyes and say, our brother and sister, he died for you. Christ died for sinners. Christ died for me. And he died for you. Remember that. Don't be ashamed to confess that to yourself, to say that to one another. This is a gift. 
and He wants us to be encouraged. Even when we sin, right? We, if the Lord wants us to turn to Him, confess our sins, and to remember that He died for those sins, and that He died for you. He didn't just die for a general people, people He did not know, but He died for people whom He knew. He died for people that were elected for the foundations of the world that were already known by God, that you were already in the mind of God before Christ ever died. And God sent his son to die for you. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, there is nothing that we could ever do to merit such a sacrifice. Hence why we are so humbled that you would make such a sacrifice on our behalf. We pray that you may help us by your spirit to to say to ourselves with confidence, without fear, that Christ died for me. This is a reality. It's not something fictional. It's not just some fable that is told to, to people, to children, to get them to live better lives. But this is a reality. Christ purchased a real salvation on behalf of real sinners so that they may be saved. We thank you, Jesus, for what you have endured on the cross. We thank you, Lord, because you did not stay dead in that tomb but you rose again, defeating death so that we may no longer live in fear of death, but may live our lives for you. We thank you, Lord Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Please stand and join me. I stand in Him completely.
Jesus died my soul to save. My lips shall still repeat my soul to save. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. He washed it white.
benediction also comes from Exodus 15 beginning in verse 11 who is like you O Lord among the gods who is like you majestic in holiness awesome in glorious deeds doing wonders you stretched out your right hand and the earth swallowed them you have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. The peoples have heard and they tremble. Pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away and the gates of hell shake. Terror and dread fall upon them because of the greatness of your arm. They are still as stone Till your people, O Lord, pass by, till the people pass by whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them on your mountain, the place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. Brothers and sisters, We have Jesus Christ to thank for our deliverance from sin, shame, and death. Go forth in that peace and in that knowledge. You are dismissed until we return again. And in 10 minutes, we will begin. In five minutes? In five minutes, we'll begin the church meeting.
Yeah, let me ask you to uh, come together again as a church. Grab a seat. Uh, we have an attendance sheet that's being passed around. Devin has it in his hand. We're also doing attendance via Zoom, thanks to Boyd and the technology folks. So we'll get to establish a quorum here quickly. Uh, already did a head count on the first floor here, and we've got close to a, a quorum here. Uh, but a quorum is, uh, for our purposes, 30% of the active membership, which makes it around 20 folks, uh, 2021. So uh, we'll be passing the clipboard around and, and get an affirmation of the number of folks present. And as soon as we get that number, we will convene the meeting. joining us uh, via online, uh, via Zoom, please go to the bottom. There's a chat box that says chat. Please type in there and let us know who you are. Uh, that way we know that we can factor you into the attendance because just with the, your username, we might not be able to tell who you are. So please go down to the chat and type in your name and so that we can know who you are and put you down. Oh, and how many as well, if you are joined by your spouse. Uh, so please let us know that as well. In the silence of the moment, uh, let me just mention, if you didn't already do so, there were some handouts on the table at the back. Uh, those handouts are inclusive of what was previously sent out electronically or mailed to you personally. And there's a couple of new handouts that were put there this morning that are informational, um, such as the closeout of 2019, such as a building and grounds report. Um, they don't need to be voted on, but they will be affirmed, uh, and then we'll move on. Um, So, Boyd, do we have a number yet? So as I look around the room, uh, we have a quorum right now. Um, so whatever comes in on Zoom will be icing on the cake. Um, so I'm going to call to order the uh, business meeting for today, uh, the first one of this year, as a matter of fact, due to circumstances beyond our control. But before we get into the practical aspects of the business meeting, let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we pause right now to acknowledge your lordship of our lives, your lordship of this church. Uh, Lord, may we ever be mindful of the sacrifice that you paid for each one of us on that cross. And may we also be mindful that there is an expectation that we would share that reality with folks uh, around us, out in the community, out in the workplaces that we are 
fortunate enough to have for jobs. Lord, we ask you would give us a, a desire to share that hope that lies within us. Lord, we also pray that there'll be a point in time when our uh, church will be able to re-energize the evangelical events and look for ways to connect with the community. But for now, Lord, we just ask your divine intervention in our minds and our thoughts and our speech as we look at some of the uh, practical aspects of uh, being uh, a member of Seacoast Community Church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Um, most everything you're going to hear and see today was previously provided to you. Uh, we also ask that any questions based on what was sent out be submitted in advance to make the meeting uh, more efficient. And so, uh, but I don't want to discourage questions that may come in either through the chat room or through you personally. <clears throat> so, uh, first item on the agenda today is to approve the minutes of our November 2019 business meeting. <clears throat> um, strange we should be approving a meeting that long ago, but as we said before, uh, it's been a strange year. Strange also in that the actual notes that were taken during that meeting uh, were lost. Uh, I can't give you a better explanation other than I ask you to look at the memorandum for the record that was prepared uh, to handle that situation. Um, and in the handout that I have in front of me, I'd like to read those to you uh, and just uh, make you aware of what was said to cover those lost minutes. So it reads as follows. Following the worship service on Sunday, November 17, 2019, a called regular business meeting was convened for the sole purpose of adopting the 2020 budget. A quorum was present. Mr. Steve Patton acted as moderator. For the record, the 2020 proposed budget had been posted for the requisite two weeks preceding the 17 November meeting. During those two weeks, persons with budgetary authority had opportunities to address any concerns with members of the finance team. At the time this was uh, submitted, there was a, a number of attachments and attached to that memorandum um, are documents provided to all attendees. The introduction to the 2020 proposed budget explains the contents of all financial information. Since the budget comes from committee, a motion to adopt was not necessary. However, there was a minimal discussion and the motion to move was seconded. The 2020 budget was adopted without dissent. Also presented was a motion submitted by the elders to correct an error in the meeting minutes of May 26, 2019. That motion is also attached and passed without dissent. Those are the minutes of the November 20, uh, 2019 uh, meeting. Do I hear a motion to accept? I see uh, Lucky's hand, Lucky Gibson's uh, made a motion. Do I see a second? I see a second from Gene Smith. It's been moved and seconded. Uh, any other discussion? Uh, none appearing. All those in favor of the motion signify raising your right hand. Uh, Boyd, good luck with that one. Okay. Uh, the motion is passed. The minutes are approved. Uh, next is the pastor's report. I'll ask Ademi to come up and share with you his report. And right after that, uh, the membership report, uh, both of which are in the handout at the back of the room. Ademi. 
Yeah, so uh, hopefully you've read through this. I won't, uh, I won't read this out loud to you. I won't kind of, well, won't go through it if you uh, already read through it, but I, I am open to answer any questions that you might have. Uh, but um, yeah, essentially this is kind of what, uh, uh, kind of reviewing kind of what things have been, how things have been this year and kind of what we're looking forward to in the future. The, the most, uh, the most, uh, I don't know, the most uh, troublesome thing about planning up for the future is that we don't know how COVID will affect uh, things in the future, and so it's hard to plan for things, but you have some idea there of kind of what I'm looking forward to in the next uh, couple months as we look for a new preaching series, but also in the next year when we look to have more missions engagement. Um, but even that is kind of up in the air because I know that many missionaries are called back stateside, and um, and so how does that look like for us in establishing more relationships with missionaries? So this is kind of continuing to evolve over time, but um, yeah, but that's basically the gist of everything um, that's, uh, that's there in that report. And then with the, uh, with the membership report, can I move on to membership report? So you have there uh, those who have come into membership uh, since our last uh, meeting, which was at the end of 2019. And as Jay mentioned, we have not been able to have another one this year because of covid uh, so you'll see there uh, those who have come into membership uh, and also those who have uh, been removed from membership. Uh, but uh, one uh, thing that I will add to the new membership uh, is that, uh, that there is uh, one couple, uh, Jared and Brenda Labonte, uh, who have expressed interest in becoming members, have gone through the process. Uh, I've talked with them at length and gone through the membership material, and they have uh, signed uh, our church covenant and so I would like to, uh, and I know that uh, may not, I don't know how many of you actually know them, and many of you do, they have been regular uh, viewers online. She cannot come because she has trouble breathing through a mask, uh, but also they've been regular attenders at the Dover Community Group. Uh, so uh, they have been pretty uh, faithful in attendance and being a part of the body through the community group uh, since probably like nine, ten months maybe, maybe almost a year. Uh, but they want to come into membership. So, and in the prayer booklet, there's actually a picture of them. So if you wonder what they look like, they're in there. Uh, and, and so I know with COVID it's difficult. We can't have them here. So even, and they had a prior commitment, but even if they, if they, she didn't, even if uh, they could be here, they, well, they couldn't because she couldn't breathe through a mask. So it's kind of odd, I know, to kind of affirm somebody into membership that is not here with us to see them. But I would like to, I uh, would like to put before you this this couple um, who I can attest are from what way I can tell, and just talking with them, engaging with them, that they are uh, believers in Jesus Christ. They love the Lord Jesus and they love uh, this church. So I would like to put them before you for membership. So if you would accept them into membership, uh, would you uh, just say Amen? Amen. amen. Okay, uh, I appreciate that, and I'll let them know, and they'll be. Uh, happy uh, to be uh, formally invited to be members of Seacoast Community Church. So. I've met the Labontes, and they're a great couple. Um, uh, I, I think you'll enjoy getting to know them better. Uh, I should mention that not every potential removal from the active membership is on here. There are people like Dick Law and Rhonda that have 
physically moved to Virginia. Uh, they have not asked that their letter be transferred. So there are a few cases where we have some letters pending. But the good news is uh, we continue to grow uh, new members. And so I'm pleased that the Levantes have requested that they be affirmed. And we have a couple of others that are also in that process. Okay, that completes the membership report. Uh, the key element for today was the next large big handout. This is the revised budget for 2020. Um, what this shows very succinctly is the original budget is in those columns marked original budget. And then the revised budget is the next two columns. Original budget was based on a revenue generation of about 220000 uh, our revised projection is 195, 100, 195,100. Uh, the actual way in which that was calculated is in a chart at the very back of your handout. It's a it's a trend line of giving. Um, we've looked at the giving year to date, and we've looked at uh, the gifts that we normally get throughout the year that we call stock gifts, and we have projected what it would look like uh, by the end of the year if all of that giving materialized and a very um, reasonable expectation um, based on our history of giving it's been very good uh, in actuality in the month of August our giving exceeded uh, what it was a year ago so that's kind of an intriguing data point and that's exclusive any stock gifts um, We've had two stock gifts this year, and we anticipate one or two more. And so um, if you have any questions, I'll be glad to answer them. Each one of these budget lines that shows what it used to be and what the new number is, there's some comments on the right-hand side that might help you appreciate how we got to those numbers. Uh, some of the numbers went up because we didn't accurately project a year ago what certain expenses would be. Probably the best example of that would be the fact that PayPal giving went up. And with it, there's an administrative fee when you do that. Whoever anticipated that majority or large chunk of our giving would migrate to PayPal, so we had not embedded in the contract, uh, in the, in the uh, budget, a large fee for the PayPal expense. So that's just one minor example of how events around us have changed that allow for uh, sometimes an upward adjustment in the numbers. But overall, it's a downward adjustment based on our inability to do certain ministries, certain utilities or less. Uh, uh, missions giving uh, went down a little bit. Uh, based on how we give a 10% of our revenue goes to the Baptist Convention of New England as well as the New Hampshire Association, and we've been keeping up to date on that. We did have Stephanie, who, along with Hunter, terminated their uh, relationship with Avant Ministries, and so that stopped. But um, And we, as you can see, have other ministries... Um, Building and grounds, always a big one. Utilities. We looked at what we spent in 2019. We looked at what had been spent year to date and made projections out to the end of the year. And 
The only disappointing thing was we didn't properly project the expense of watering the front lawn, and so uh, that budget line went up. Um, don't want to dominate the dialogue. Just ask, is there any questions that you have before we move to adopt? David. gifts not to come through, I will say that this is an optimistic budget and that there are a couple of areas where we left the numbers high, uh, knowing that we would come in lower. Um, for example, on Marissa's pay, um, we kept that number fairly high, uh, but and that's one example of where we can and not have to, quote, rely on stock gifts. Uh, I, I feel comfortable based on what they've shared with me as a trustee that uh, we will get some. But I think to answer your question is there is a little uh, padding in a couple areas that will allow us the freedom not to rely totally on stock. And matter of fact, the giving projections are rather pessimistic too. I think they will actually exceed what is there. <coughs> uh, if you look at the history of where we are based on that general giving chart at the end, and I anticipated 13,000 a month for the rest of the year. That 13 is pretty negative in the sense that most of our giving has been closer to the 14 to 15 range. So I anticipate a savings for the rest of the year, not savings, uh, a, a little bit of a flexibility not to have to rely on stock. Sure, was there a question there? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've always been uh, impressed um, throughout this journey of COVID that our giving has sustained at a fairly re high level, and I think uh, we're going to end the year in a very positive position. Um, Debbie, did you have a question? work that goes into this and keeping us on track, so I just wanted to say thank you. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, Ademi. A uh, few different things. Uh, one, just go back to the PayPal thing. Uh, has been, PayPal has been obviously incredibly helpful. Um, but just want to remind people that we do, uh, we are uh, still taking up offering, which is haven't been doing it in the service, just to, so that there's an exchange of hands and things like that. Uh, but uh, I say that because just to encourage people that uh, if you can uh, go away from the PayPal giving, please do so. Because again, we, we do take fees. We've, uh, we've paid 
um, uh, a lot uh, in fees this year because of PayPal. So um, we appreciate it. If that is the best way that you can give right now, please continue to do so. But if there is a way that you uh, don't have to use PayPal, but can mail in uh, your uh, whatever it is, your, your check, or if you want to uh, come and there's a box in the back, uh, please do that as well. Um, and then the other thing I'll say is that um, I just want to uh, clarify that um, we're not uh, looking to, I, I'm not saying, I'm not, you know, I don't think we're trying to communicate this, but we're not trying to cut uh, Marissa's salary. <laughs> uh, it's like we had set out, I set in salary for her year, uh, given a number of hours, and there's, many, there's some weeks where she isn't working um, as many hours. And so at the end of the year, uh, we will expect, uh, I think continue, we'll expect to expend less on their salary. Unless, of course, I mean, she, she ups those, her hours, which is totally fine. But we wanted to keep that uh, to leave room in case that uh, we, uh, we needed her to continue to work more hours. Um, the other thing I'll say is that, um, yeah, with the, with the missions and then the, the reduction of missions, um, part of it is, like as, as Jay mentioned, that, um, that uh, Stephanie Patton, uh, well, Stephanie Mix and Hunter Mix uh, are no longer doing missions through Avant, and so some of the giving has come down because, or some of the, yeah, the giving towards them has come down because of that, and so that's part of the reduction in the spending, uh, but also Soup Kitchen is one of those big ones as well. There was thousands of dollars that we would expect us to spend with Soup Kitchen with that closing because of COVID. Well, then there's less money spent towards that. Um, so that's where a lot of those finance, that's where a lot of the reduction comes from. And then, a lot, and then also with the administration, again, it's just a, a lot of just COVID. Um, administratively, we expected to spend a certain amount of money just on office supplies, printing, and things like that that we haven't spent because of COVID. And so we just thought it made sense to just reduce what we expected to spend uh, to just have a much more conservative expectation of what we should, uh, what we will exp uh, spend this year, if that makes sense. So um, hopefully that's, uh, I don't know if that's, uh, if that's clarifying, um, but um, yeah. Laboring the point, uh, budget line 6809, it's about six or eight from the bottom of the financial sheet, is financial services, subparagraph A and B. And ever since we went to PayPal, we've been attempting to catch the fee structure on that, and we have on a separate budget line, and you notice that budget line increased. So it's interesting, PayPal giving increased, and so did the expense of doing that, and it actually is 3% fee for all giving. So if you give a million dollars, 3% of that is going to pay, uh, PayPal. So just that's why we're suggesting that perhaps it'd be cheaper, let me rephrase that, of greater benefit to the church to minimize that expense by mailing in a check. Uh, although I'm one of those that did just the opposite. I went on PayPal thinking it was a good deal. Um, administratively easier, but it cost us. Uh, other questions on the budget? Uh, lucky. Okay, the, uh, the copier is an interesting animal. Um, we terminated the lease with that, and now we own it. And because we own it, we have to budget for replacement of it. The expense of running the copier is in the consumable area of cartridges, and the, that expense is uh, on here somewhere. However, I also wanted to find someone who had a budget line that could afford replacement. Uh, 
And so a co concept of replacing it is in budget 6701 technology. So we've got one budget line, it's a capital replacement budget line, and then another one for consumables. Mm. Um, the, the service is as required, not on a regular basis. In other words, we uh, are anticipating replacing it at some point. Um, new copiers are a lot cheaper, and we're dealing with a dinosaur that we're hoping will go away. Um, and right now it has issues. I don't want to belabor all of that, but the point is uh, we're looking at replacing it and not trying to, quote, maintain it forever. Other questions on the budget? Okay. Um, I'll accept a motion to adopt it. Ted Keith has made the motion to adopt. Do I see a second? Uh, I see a hand way in the back. Oh, Don Desmond, okay. Any other further questions? All those in favor of the motion to adopt signify by raising your right hand. All right, I see any any opposed to the motion? Thank you very much. Um, Boyd, I look forward to your uh, numerical input that our secretary will accept after the meeting. Um, okay, that was the primary emphasis. You will see a couple of other handouts here that have to do how well we did for the month of August. And as you noticed from the, one of the email documents that was mailed out on the 22nd, uh, August, uh, was a good month. Uh, we had a, a net income of uh, about 24000 exceeding the giving. So we're doing pretty good. Um, Announcement-wise, I do want to make you aware that November 22nd, will be our next business meeting for the purpose of adopting the 2021 budget. Um, one other thing that's on the back table, which none of you saw until, unless you picked it up when you came in today, is the final condensed uh, financials report for 2019. Uh, you, you can't approve it up or down. It is what it is. The numbers are all in. It took a while to adjudicate a few uh, lingering issues. Um, with certain agencies, but that's been cleared up. And we also had a change in bookkeeper in the last year, and so it was interesting to deal with that as well as uh, making sure we were accurate. And the current bookkeeper has assured me that we're, we're good for 2019 uh, for the portion that she was responsible for. Um, so I don't know if there's any other motions. Let's see. Yeah. All right. Any new business that anyone would like to bring up for the elders to consider for the um, okay. Well, I look forward to when COVID is behind us and we can get back to normal. Uh, not sure what the new normal will look like. Uh, all right. Does anyone want to close us with a word of prayer? 
and then we'll be dismissed. Um, whoops. Oh, I actually had a motion to adjourn. Amazing. And, and second by Courtney Smith. Um, all those in favor of adjourning, signify raising your right hand. Uh, those that are opposed, uh, gee, amazing, nobody opposed. Um, Ademi, close us out, please. Amen. Uh, Father, we thank you for all that you've done for us, what you continue to do, even through these uh, trying times. Lord, I'm thankful for the faithfulness uh, of your saints that is displayed in various different ways, but specifically uh, towards, uh, towards giving. Uh, we thank you, Lord. We pray that you would help us to be wise stewards of all that you've entrusted to us and that we may use all these things, our resources, all that you've given to us for the glory of your name. We thank you for the unity that we have with one another through Jesus Christ, and I pray that you may continue to be with us this week um, as, we, uh, as you may help us uh, abide in Jesus Christ, reflect on the death of Christ on our behalf, and that we may also, even with these trying times, uh, be able to look forward to the future and, and all that you are going to do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.